This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Uh, so I got a box of four different Magic Spoon cereals in the mail this week, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, and it was uh, the highlight of my week. When I was a child, I was only allowed to eat nice cereal on the weekends because in those days they hadn't figured out how to make cereal both nice and healthy yet. Uh, so the past few days I've been able to defy my parents and delight my child at the same time just by eating Magic Spoon's amazing frosted flavor, which reminds me of the only two days out of every week that I was ever truly happy as a boy. Um, now, it doesn't say this in the copy here, uh, which is honestly a little bit irresponsible, um, but in the interest of safety, I do want to just kind of spell out for everyone uh, that you shouldn't just open every box you come across just because sometimes there's nice cereal inside it. Uh, for instance, the Lament configuration is also a box you can find. Uh, based on the very few Hellraiser movies I've seen, sometimes you have to spend a lifetime looking for it, but sometimes it's just hidden in the floorboards of your attic. And if you carelessly open that box, you will be introduced to a world of pleasure and pain beyond anything the human mind can imagine. Um, so I want to be really clear here. If you're certain that what you have is a magic spoon delivery box, do open that. It tastes amazing, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Uh, but if you think there's any chance at all that the box you have might be the Lament configuration from Hellraiser, don't open that. It doesn't taste like anything, and usually Pinhead and an army of ill-begotten abominations called Cenobites will come out of it and pull you into a labyrinthine dimension of torment and agony. Go to magicspoon.com slash babysitters to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code babysitters at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash babysitters and use the code babysitters for free shipping. Uh, we want to thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. And again, just so it's absolutely crystal clear delicious boxes of breakfast food that will take you back to your childhood yes diabolical puzzle boxes that will open a portal to an army of extra-dimensional beings who will mercilessly flay your flesh no be safe out there in 86 nm martin wrote the first book of what became a cult Rocksteady. Um, here we are, man. Here we are. Are you recording? Are we live? We're live. Hit me. Hello, and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, Tanner Greenring. Oh, uh, fuck. You really fucked God, it up. I'm so bad at that. How it was so. I was looking at you. Yeah. No, I just I I always miss my cue, and <laughs> you just said your name. <laughs> I got really excited. I knew this time, like I had to come in with my name. Yeah, uh, do let's start over. Start was it is it was it just a coincidence that like whenever you get nervous, you just say your name? Yeah, like a Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> Tanner Greenring. Someone calls you calls on you in class, and you're just like Tanner Greenring. <laughs> <laughs> let's start. Let's start over. Um. All right. What the fuck are we talking about? Oh yeah. Um. Hello, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the fantastic novels of Anne M. Martin, featuring a series of babysitters and a series of crazy hijinks. Technically, 
the series is called the Babysitters Club. Right. So our podcast should be called the the Babysitters Club Club. I can't wrap my head around that. The bracket. The Babysitter's Club, close uh, bracket. For anyone who's club. just starting to tune in with this episode, it's the sixth episode, and way too late to change the name of this podcast. It's called The the, the Babysitter's, Babysitter's club. 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 Welcome to The the Babysitter's Club Club. You can't... I, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I feel like you're paving over it a little bit when you hit it so quickly, right. but it's fine, it's fine. All right, it's easy for you to say you don't have to introduce these fucking things. That's by design. Make so do all the hard work. this is a podcast in which we talk about the Babysitter's Club books one by one. This week we're talking about Christie's Big Day, which is book number six. Um, some context for people who are just tuning in for the first time. As a young man, through a series of mishaps and accidents, I read all of these books over at my cousin's house while she watched TV, and I just had to kind of sit and read her library. I read all of Sweet Valley High, and I read all of The Babysitter's Club. Why didn't so, you watch TV with her? That's very antisocial. We've never addressed that. I did watch TV with her sometimes, but I just, you know, also like to read her books. Um, Do you guys not get along? Yeah, we get along great, man. Okay. We got along great. Like, I feel like she had also probably read some of these books. We well, Sometimes we'll talk them. about them. I would be like, hey, it seems like Logan likes Mary. Oh, that's a spoiler. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's a big spoiler. Oh, it's literally the name of a book. Um, <laughs> so not that much of a spoiler. Why are you doing this, Tanner? Uh, love of the game, man. Love of the game. Yeah. You know, I just really love spending time with you. Yeah. I really love reading books written for 13-year-old girls. Yep. Um, well, let's just dive right into it. Let's. You texted me today. I texted um, you today. It was very Oh, sweet. real quick. We're back in America. Oh, yeah. We're back. Last episode was recorded in Berlin. Yep. We're back in Brooklyn in your beautiful house. It's a chilly 10 degrees outside. I yep. had to walk down here with a backpack full of microphone equipment and uh, hands full of beer for you. Oh, my God. Uh, but we're we're back in America and we're feeling good. Yeah. Feeling great. Yeah. Um, just got a text from you today at 1.19 p.m. Yep. Fuck, that was a good one. This is a good one. Yeah. This is a very good book. Can I read you a note I wrote here? Yeah. The line that I highlighted here, Tuesday morning started off a lot like Monday morning, except that the mothers didn't have any more instructions. Us babysitters are a lot more confident and a lot less worried, and Mr. Fielding had a much easier time prying Mora and Patrick off his legs. You know what I like about this book, Jack? Yeah. It's just about babysitting. Oh my God, is it ever. Yeah. You know, there's no drama there's no theatrics. Right. It's the American dream. This is four young women just doing their goddamn jobs. This is a good, hearty book. Yeah. Um, it's also an epithalamium. Okay. Wow, right out of the gate today. What? <laughs> no, I mean, I obviously know what an epithalamium is. Yeah. Um, why don't you explain it to our listeners? Uh, for our readers, uh Readers? Listeners? Shit. It's always viewers or readers with you. It's never. Do I say that? Yeah. You never say listeners. Huh. Yeah. That, that's an epithalamium. <laughs> um, an epithalamium is a wedding song. And starting with the ancient Greek tradition, particularly mm-hmm. with Theocritus, and moving through some of the poems of Catullus, mm-hmm. um, and Obviously. as far as Edmund Spencer yeah, get to the in the point. Elizabethan we all know era. This. Uh-huh. There's a long literary tradition of a 
an ode to wedding, to uh, two people getting married and, and forming a union. And Christie's Big Day is kind of a misnomer, because it's not really Christie's Big Day, is it? It's Elizabeth Thomas's Big Day. Yep. She's getting married to Watson? Brewer. Watson Brewer. Yep. Oh! Okay. You might be thinking, mm-hmm. wait a second, I thought they just got engaged. Shouldn't their wedding, shouldn't their beautiful nuptials mm-hmm. be months away? Right. But they're not. Because? Maybe... Let's describe the plot of this book. Yes. My favorite segment. All right. Here's what I got. Just real quick. It's Elizabeth and Watson's big day. They're finally uniting in front of everyone in their small town. But strange magics are brewing. (laughs) A dark magic and a white magic are coming together. And there may be aliens on the horizon. Uh Will they survive this attack on Stony Brook, Connecticut Mm -hmm. in time to join together in the power of their own love or is this the last of the babysitters club it's not there's countless babysitters club books okay this book has a lot of weird fantasy and sci-fi they all do man they all do this one more how did this take you this long to get here man this one more than we spent 20 minutes last week talking about flat earth yeah that didn't come out of anywhere man that was like that was fresh out of the text yeah, I guess that's true. You're right. We certainly wouldn't come up with that ourselves. No. Um, all right. So I've described what I saw in the book. I'd yep. like for you to describe what you saw in the book in what is becoming a, a little bit of a segment we do here. Fan favorite. Fan favorite in which I give you 60 seconds. You ready? I'm going to give you 60 seconds on a stopwatch, and I want you to describe everything, literally everything of importance mm-hmm. that happens in this plot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and round it out at 60 seconds. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's do this. Go. Chrissy's mom is getting married. They were going to do it in September, but because of uh, circumstances, they couldn't. They have to push the wedding to the end of June, which is only two and a half weeks from now. Uh, Christy also, uh, their house is up for sale, and a buyer wants to buy it now. So that also has to happen right now. Uh, it's all happening at once. It's all coming together. Everyone's very stressed. The wedding comes. Uh, there's 14 children being invited to the wedding. Uh, what? That's a problem. They need to spend a week. The babysitters are now off from school. They seconds. need to spend a week babysitting these 14 children. They get paid $600 to uh, babysit these 14 children over the course of a week. Uh, the wedding goes off without a hitch. The babysitting goes off without a hitch. Everything is good. Everything is happy. Nothing bad happens. Martians don't attack. There's no war between white and black. 10 magics. seconds. That's it? I don't need it. Oh, you're all need done. that last 10 seconds. Okay. Well... This is a good book. It's efficient. There's no drama, man. Nothing bad happens. It's Some might just say hard work. There's no conflict. I love it. I love a book that has no conflict. Here's a thought. This is a book from Christie's point of view. Yep. So she's telling the story. Of yep. course there's no conflict. She's a totalitarian dictatorial presence in these novels. She doesn't see conflict. She only sees her way or the highway. That's why these Christie books don't have any central tension. It's just Christie walking over everybody's hopes and dreams and doing whatever the hell she wants to do. Christie is the only character in this series who isn't a cog in the machine. Wow. Okay. This is We've read six books now. Mm-hmm. All these books follow the same general construct. Chapter one introduces the conflict in quotes. Chapter two talks about what the Babysitter's Club is. In every other book, except for book one, Christie's Big Idea, they mention how beautiful Claudia is. Yeah. This book, 
Doesn't come up. No mention. They did talk about what she was wearing, though. I think Christy is a puppet master. Yes. She's pulling all the strings. Oh, I pulled this, too. Yeah. She's not a sheeple, you know? She's a grand architect of this entire series. Yeah. And that's why I love her. That's why I love these Christie narratives. Yeah, that's why I hate her. Okay. Um, so this is good. So what Anne M. Martin failed to provide in terms of conflict, you and I will provide right here <laughs> in terms of our own little conflict. Okay. A little Christie versus Marianne right here. Uh-oh. Wait, who's the Christie and who's the Marianne? You're the Christie, man. I feel like in our real life relationship, you are definitely the Christie of the two of us. Wow, this is the first time I've heard you say this. You're the Frodo and I'm the Samwise. Uh. You're the Harry and I'm the Ron. <laughs> You're the Christie and I'm the Marianne. Man, that goes that goes so back and forth. I'd so much rather be the Ron. I know you'd rather be, but yeah. in our relationship, you were definitely the Harry. Okay. And the Christie? And the Christie. And the Frodo. So here's what worries me about Christie. And I wrote a lot of stuff about totalitarianism. I'm sure you did. As I was taking notes on this. Mm-hmm. And there's it's difficult to talk about it without talking about the Martian theme. So maybe we'll just kind of bring that in. At one point... Uh, I covered that in my 60 seconds. You, barely. You said there are no Martians. There are no Martians. I don't think that's established. Martian is not a, Mars is not a uh, life-supporting planet. There yes, no and Martians. the Babysitter's Club books, I hate to break this to you, are not true historical accounts. They're truer than the Mars Attacks collector's cards or the film based on the Mars Attacks collector's awesome. cards. Awesome. How about for our next podcast episode, we take a trip to Stony Brook. Long Island? Connecticut. Not, that doesn't, it's not a Oh, place. it doesn't exist? Yeah, no. It's a literal, I fantastical, see your point. I, see, I take your point, I take your point. Magical island on. where we on. don't, literally don't know the rules of physics. It's weird that so many families in these books have so many children. All right. There are so many families in these books that have so many children. They have so many. Everybody's like got religious like five cults. kids. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, Watson's best friend comes and visits, and he has like six kids. Well, I think this fits. We've talked about what's weird about Stony Brook in the past. Yeah. And it's one hard of not th- to, man. It's a weird place. One of the things that's weirdest about it, and it's difficult to explain this to somebody who hasn't recently read the books, is how obsessed everyone is with babies and babysitting. Yeah. It's just a, like a world that totally is focused on the concept of babysitting. Right. There are, every family has at least five children. Oh my God, I just formed a theory in my head. Yeah. It's never explicitly stated that these are human beings. Yes, it, this is my point. This is not necessarily true life. This is an alternate reality. No, no, no. This is a beehive. What? <laughs> these are bees. <sighs> Every character in this book is a bee. And they are all just raising bees yeah. for the brood queen to act as her workers to go out and collect pollen. God, that makes so much sense. This is the story of an active beehive. We haven't gotten into who the brood queen is yet, I yeah. suspect. Morbid of destiny. Morbid of destiny. Yeah. But, yeah. What if this is all bees? What if it's bees all the way down, man? <laughs> the, um, this You're fucking blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm going to throw away all of my notes because it... <laughs> Like, this is incredible. It makes so much sense. I think we should treat every episode going forward as if we're reading <laughs> the story of a hive of bees. The Babysitter Club. <laughs> it's it, right there in the title. Right there in the title. Fuck, man. Oh. Shit, we just, let's get Anna and Martin on the phone and be like, hey, guess what? After 30 long years, we fucking 
rip the lid off of your conspiracy. We cracked the code. This is bees. Oh, it's bees. We'll just say that. We'll get her on the phone. We'll say, hey, it's Jack and Tanner. Yeah. We know it's bees. It's, we know it's bees. <laughs> <laughs> just get her a candid response. And she's just going to be like, I'll be right over. <laughs> <laughs> That makes so much sense. And obviously the way this originally would have been written would have been in like B speak. It would have just been like a series of numbers. Like Brood Queen needs Drone six four one seven. Yeah. Come uh, over and take care of larvae. Larvae seventeen and nineteen. Um but this has been translated right. for us to try to make sense of. Um okay, well I think you cracked the code on that one. Yep. Uh I almost don't know where to go next. Got some notes. Took some notes down here. Um, Christy doesn't believe in God. Uh, okay. Let's see. You're just gonna gloss over 24, that one. Twenty-four. The television sort. The series twenty-four. Um, mm-hmm. Religious cults. Oh shit! I have I have a revenue stream. Okay. Are you interested in making money? Uh, yes, sir. Are you interested in making money off this podcast that we do in our spare time? I certainly am. Listen to this. Okay. Catchphrases. Huge. Mm-hmm. We love them. Everyone loves them. People love I'm literally wearing a t-shirt with a catchphrase on it right now. Yep. Jamie Newton. Mm-hmm. Hi, hi. Oh, yeah. It's not our catchphrase. Yeah. Given it's Anna Martin's catchphrase that she wrote for Jamie. Yeah. But I see a branding opportunity. It's great. For the Babysitter's Club. The the Babysitter's Club Club. Yeah. The, the Club Club Babysitter Club. No, 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 no. The The Babysitter's Club. Right. Club. Where we have a t-shirt... That has a young boy on it mm-hmm. who's just saying, hi, hi. I think he says, hi, hi. Yeah. And I think we should introduce every episode with, hi, hi. Hi, hi. And it will just become like a synergy branding opportunity. Yeah. I that's, think we can make a lot of money off t-shirts, bumper stickers, mouse pads. That's huge. Yeah. It fits on even the smallest t-shirt. Right. <laughs> yeah. It would fit on... Like For a, larger t-shirts, we can do our other signature A little catchphrase. baby grow. You could put, hi, hi. Claudia is wearing a bra now. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah, when we do a bra line. Oh, God, shit. Or, like, maybe you put it on, like, the butt of, like, some sweatpants, like, Juicy Couture. Yeah. So that's that's one idea I had. We can explore that. I would um, like to see a, like, as Anna Martin goes deeper into this kind of sci-fi stuff that she's doing, it would be cool for her to do, and maybe she does, I don't know, a Claudia point of view uh where boys have never been invented. Yeah, it's like why the last man. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty good. That is pretty good. We should write that. Yeah, fuck, we should write that. Let's make a, a Tumblr or a Medium. Yeah, where we just every week write a short story from the perspective. And it always of starts out. Kishi. Yeah, Claudia's wearing a bra. Who's now. maybe now thirty plus? She's in her early forties. Should we write it from today's Claudia or eighties Claudia? I think today's. Claudia, like at the time, the way she talks is as if boys have never been invented. And then as she gets older, she realizes that they haven't. Boys have never been. They have never been invented. Shit, this goes right back into the bee stuff now, though, too. Yeah. Because, like... Oh, you're right. Males are like a background hum in the beehive. Yeah. They're just there to, like, take care of shit. Yeah. They're not thinking. They're not acting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is good, man. The Babysitter Club. Should we go back and change this to the Babysitters Club? I think Club? so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We haven't technically released any of these yet. Yeah. We've just been like building up a backlog. But I think now we can go back and change it to the Babysitters Club. Yeah. The B. The B E E hyphen B E E space Sitters Club. 
That's great. I feel like that's really going to draw people in. They're going to see that in iTunes. And they're going to be like, oh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so let's talk about the Martians. So here, this happens. Karen Brewer, who is a... Here's why Christy doesn't believe in God. Okay. Here's the line. Yeah. Sunday is my favorite day of the week. Summer or winter. For one reason. I get to sleep late. You know what that means? Oh, she's not going to church. She's not going to church. Wow. Sunday is the worst day of the week, whether you are a child or an adult. Sunday is the worst day of the week when you're a child because you have to get up early and you have to miss Ren Stimpy and you have to go to fucking Lutheran Church in Excelsior, Minnesota, and it's an agony. Yeah. And when you are an adult, Sunday is the worst day of the week because it is soul-crushing staying up Sunday evening, watching the sun go down and thinking, fuck, I have to go back to work tomorrow. Yeah. So, Christy is uh, godless. Yeah. Does this mean she also doesn't believe in football? Oh, shit. You love Sundays. Yeah, Sundays are the best. Sunday middays, right? Yeah. I mean, it's my favorite day of the week because I get to watch the football game. You don't feel that dread? You don't feel that dread creeping up on you Sunday evenings thinking, fuck, I got to go back to work tomorrow? Yeah, it's pretty unpleasant. But I don't think Christy feels that way. Christy seems to relish her job. Christy signed up her entire group of babysitters for a 40-hour week of babysitting 14 separate children nonstop for $200 a day. Nope. Jack, that's $600 total. Right. Like, that's slave wages. Jack, each of those girls for a 40-hour week work took home $280. Right. That's pretty good when you're 13 and you're technically due to child labor laws not supposed to be working at all yeah pretty good can i talk about martians okay you glossed over this in your 60 second summary and i think you made a mistake a major character in this book is karen brewer okay who is christie's stepsister soon to be stepsister and will later go on to be the star of what i think are called the little sister books oh god i can't wait yeah I love Karen, by the way. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a psychopath. No, she's awesome. And I think that the way that you read this book really, really turns on whether you believe what Karen Brewer is saying. Absolutely not. She's insane. I love it. No, I don't necessarily think so. I think that Karen Brewer has a Cassandra complex. You... Every goddamn episode, you're bringing up the Cassandra complex. Have I brought it up before? I think so. I've definitely brought up Freudian themes before because of that one book that was literally called Marianne and the Daddy Issues. (laughs) But I think that Karen Brewer has a Cassandra complex, which for people who don't know what that is, is when you actually know the future and can predict it, but no one believes you. Yes, you've absolutely brought this up before. Well, so way to fucking pay attention, man. It's your goddamn podcast. Oh, thank you for saying so. (laughs) But it's our goddamn podcast. Karen starts talking about these Martians out of nowhere, yep. and it's corroborated too, right? So she comes up to it's all the It's absolutely kids. not corroborated. It is corroborated, and allow me, sir, to tell you why. Mm-hmm. She assembles a bunch of kids on their second day of babysitting, all these 14 kids, and it's an intense mess. The five babysitters are trying to babysit 14 kids while all of the grown-ups are preparing for this wedding that for some reason has to be planned in two and a half weeks. And... Karen Brewer gathers a bunch of the kids aside, and she's like, hey, I heard that there's going to be a Martian attack tonight, Yeah, and we need to hide. Like, we need to get into the basement. And here's where it's corroborated. 
Dawn comes in and says, hey, Karen, uh, you shouldn't be spreading rumors like that. Like, don't just, like, make stuff up because it's going to scare the younger kids. Okay. And Karen says, I'm not just spreading rumors. I heard it from an eighth grader. Yeah. What's that, 13, 14 years old? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's old enough to know fact from fiction. Mm. I think that's... I think there is a reading of this book that there is a serious alien threat on Stony Brook. Again, remember, open your mind, man. This is not about our world. Do you want to know what my number one concern when I was 14 years old was? Yeah. Finding a quiet, private place to just crank my hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Just number one every day, all day, just wanted to... Just needed to be masturbating <sighs> when I was 14 years old. This has been episode five <laughs> of the Babysitter's Club. Six. Club? Shit. <laughs> Thank you. And you expect, like, you expect a fucking 14 year old to be like a reliable, like, witness to the Mars invasion? That dude has one thing on his mind, and it's just cranking his hog. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> That's so unfortunate. <laughs> what 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 bit of what I just said is so unfortunate? I mean, it it rings true, <laughs> but I think that it, it actually supports my theory. If you really think about it, somebody who is preoccupied <laughs> with hog cranking is not going to waste their time trying to trick some young girl into thinking there's a Martian invasion. Uh, okay, unless there really was, unless there was a real threat. He's got I, that dude has two things on his mind, and it's hog cranking, yeah, and <laughs> the imminent invasion of the Martians, yeah. Best Fiends is a free to download casual mobile puzzle game with literally yep. thousands of levels that is boredom's yep. worst nightmare. And yep. uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition yep. uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the Jack's, Jack's Jerks, Jumping Jerks, Jerks, Jumping Jerks, and Tanner's Tiny, Tiny Ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time. Um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in Best yeah. Fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and, and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well, I'm glad but you're back. But now I'm, I'm embracing it i'm playing it i'm having so much fun with it i love it okay well i'll start uh so one of my experiences playing the game that i really enjoy is um i really like picking which fiends to use and upgrading them and building a crack team as i go through the levels my favorite is mordecai okay that's not one it's my favorite fiend what level are you on jack i am somewhere in the 40s (laughs) (laughs) okay and yourself Seven D thousand. Well, okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, 70, and they do have updates thousand. all the time, so you can keep At playing least as much 000. as you want. Yes. So yep. that's what level I'm on, and I am having a fun with it. It's me. It's Mordecai. Yeah. It's um, okay. That's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, in the, you haven't got there yet. 
Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing. For me, it's just, it's binge worthy and it's like, it's bite sized. You can just play like a little bit for like 10 minutes uh, when you've got, when you're waiting for the something, whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me, if you know what I mean. No. Oh, just binge worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay. Perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we yeah. were competing, but... I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways too. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried that as well because someone I was I was on the forums. I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends, and I just I, this is not their fault. I can tell you this is not their fault. And the phone. game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh. There's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> uh, and so all the, all the kids get super freaked out about it. Yeah. And for me, this was a real Christy moment. Christy didn't really interact with the Martian invasion at all. She didn't really deal with it. It was all like in Dawn and Stacy's hair. Uh, Dawn and Christy shut that talk down. And I guess this was actually Dawn. Who... Oh, you're going back to our puppet master themes. Yeah. So here's a little line that I pulled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if you could hide in your basement, David Michael whispered. That's mm-hmm. underground. Can I stay at your house tonight, Burke asked my brother. I don't know if the motel has a basement. Yeah. Burke, Don cried. David Michael, Karen, enough. She thought about telling them they weren't allowed to discuss Martians anymore. Right. That's Don. Yeah. There's something terrifying about that. Like, silencing speech. She didn't, though. She didn't silence the speech. She yeah. She decided against it. She's just starting to get indoctrinated into this totalitarian attitude that Christie has. Oh, where oh as I soon see. as there's some kind of a threat You're to the regime. Dawn is like some kind of vassal. Yeah, she's like a proto Christie. Right. Okay. I buy it and I like it because Christie's a fucking commander. Yeah, and it just terrifies me. It terrifies me how, like, the way that Christie chooses to exert control is by silencing people, is by any talk that threatens her view of the world is shut down. And in this case, there's a potentially very real threat to the people of Stony Brook. No, there's not. There's no such thing as Martians. Okay. Do you want to talk about the magic stuff? Sure. Okay. Nothing happens because there's no such thing as magic either. Karen has an amazing, like, I, w- I thought it would be Karen's cool. a fucking tinfoil hat wearing psychopath, Jack, and you need to stop relating to her. This is like, there's no such thing as Martians, and there's no such thing as black or white magic. This is what it sounds Both like. Both things brought up by Karen, who is a psychopath. Listen to yourself, man. This is what it sounds like to somebody who has Cassandra complex, is people like you. Just like, oh, there's no such thing as black or white magic. Morbid of Destiny, the witch, who is featured in a lot of these witch, books. Normal woman. Normal woman. Shows up. Mrs. Porter, I believe. Mrs. Porter. That's her totally human name. <laughs> a reasonable woman who comes to the wedding and actually gives 
Watson Brewer a gift and says, like, congratulations on your nuptials. All right, let's let our I'm listeners not judge. not a witch. Let's let our listeners judge. Yeah. Here's the description of Mrs. Porter, as you call her, showing up at the wedding. Yeah. Morbid of destiny was standing behind me in full black dress with her snapping eyes and her frazzly, witchy hair. The magics! Karen wailed. The magics are going to crash! Morbid of destiny looked at Karen, puzzled. Then she turned to me. Puzzled. I brought the bride and groom you something. You can't do that voice and... Holding can, out it's a not box. fair for you to Don't do take it, a Karen weird cried. little witch voice. It's a wedding spell. It's a... And then it ends, and we never learn what was in the box. We never learn what was inside that box. We do not learn. Let me, um, it is not substantiated what is inside that box, and that's the last we see of this witch. Let me read this like a sane person might read it. Morbida Destiny was standing behind me in a full black dress with her snapping eyes and her frazzly witchy hair. The magics! <laughs> Karen wailed. The magics are going to crash! Morbida Destiny looked at Karen, puzzled. Then she turned to me and said, uh, I, I brought the bread and groom something. Who sounds like the crazy person when I do my reading of the text? You do? No. Karen does, because Karen is insane. And Morbid of Destiny, as I'm coming to discover, is just a normal, lovely woman who hates cats. Oh, man, she fucking hates cats. Well, I thought we could talk about the magic system in this book. <laughs> okay, I'm, re- I, like, I'm ready to put aside everything I just said and... <laughs> Dig into some magic systems. Here's the only hint that I have about what the magic system, like how it actually is supposed to work in the Anne M. Martin verse. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's, again, it's a quote from Karen. Psychopath. Uh, Known antisocial. Judge psychopath. Karen as you will. She's the literal protagonist of a very, very popular series of spin off books. A 32 year old man will, without any reservations, judge this seven year old girl. Great. So, a Christy, man. You and Christy should just. Get married already. Don't need to, man, because we're one person. Yep. We are one being inhabiting two bodies. Preach on, my man. Uh, here's all I've got. White petals mean white magic. So, like, Karen is... Fuck, you know what? I have something written down about the goddamn occult in my notes. Yeah. Karen is at the flower girl at this wedding, mm-hmm. and she is planning on bringing yellow flowers to the wedding, mm-hmm. but is unable to obtain them at the flower shop, so they have to get white flowers instead. And she freaks out. Right. And the reason she freaks out is chilling. And here's what she says. White petals, moaned Karen, they mean white magic. Morbid of destiny will be right next door with her black magic. The two magics will crash into each other. Barum, which I don't know what that means, but it's... <laughs> I, mean, she I think it was has, meant to be an onomatopoeia. I think it's like linear B. <laughs> I'm not sure it's some kind of incantation. I think it's meant to be a, an onomatopoeia. I'm like... I don't think so. Okay, I think, fine. I think it's Karen two interpretations speaks, of the text. It's I fine. think she speaks. I mean, it, it could be Etruscan. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have many uh-huh. ancient languages. Mm-hmm. And then she makes this slashing motion across her throat. Yeah. And then the Christies. Yep. You and your ilk shut them up because it's in the middle of a wedding. Yeah. And that. Well, time and a place. Time and a place. But I don't know. I th- that to me feels like a real threat. So I like that idea. I feel like Karen in this case is not, like, she's obviously a practitioner of white magic, right. but doesn't feel enough in control of her white magic. Well, she's only seven. Right, exactly. And so she's worried. You would think that if flower petals give you extra white magic, you would be excited that it would make you more powerful. But she's worried that the presence of white equals the dark. Well, let's talk about yellow. 
Oh, God, yeah, yellow comes up a lot in this. Can I read the literally the opening paragraph of this book? Please do. Old Ben Brewer was crazy. Oh, yeah. As crazy as anything. He ate fried dandelions, and after he turned 50, he never left the house, except to go out in the yard to get dandelions. When he died, his ghost stayed behind. That is a quote from Karen Brewer. So yellow, to me, is sort of this liminal magic. But it's clear in this book that magic stems from flowers. Yeah, and co- specific colors. Yeah, w- Yellow dandelions, white roses. What are the flowers that Morbida Destiny grows? That Chrysanthemums. Always, what color are those? Black? God, are they black? Oh, God, I don't think so, because I don't think people have black flowers, man. Should I? Yeah, Google it up. Um, okay, so chrysanthemums are either pink, yellow, or white. But I guess pink could pretty easily be turned into purple. And purple is a fairly dark color. So I guess if any color is going to be aligned with the dark side of magics, it's probably purple. So the colors are super significant in terms of how the magic system works yeah. in this book. I think eating yellow flowers gives you sort of like a force ghost yeah. ability. Okay. It yeah. So you, Ben Ben Brewer, who is consciousness outlive your body. The ghost of Karen's grandfather haunts her attic. Right, and he achieved that by eating yellow flowers. By eating yellow flowers for the last twenty years. And Morbida's power, it seems like, comes from her chrysanthemum, which we're assuming are purple. Yeah, which we assume are purple, which is the color of royalty, which could be good or bad, but it seems like she's on a bad tip. What if? Maybe this is insane. Mm-hmm. What if Morbida Destiny is misunderstood, like some kind of Wicked Witch of the East kind of thing, and we believe she is evil, but she's actually a good witch, and that there are some dark forces in Stony Brook, Connecticut, that she is, she's a Snape Lake character. Yeah. We believe she's bad, and the characters all believe she is bad, but she's actually like fighting on behalf of good. It's possible. I like it. The evidence is overwhelming against her. She gave Karen Freckles. She cursed the cat boo boo by oh, making God, him. What if those two obese? things were like in service of protecting them, though? Yeah, possibly. Like throwing someone off their scent. I mean, freckles are colored, right? And color magic is Has super power. important in this world. Right. Yeah. Shit, man. All right. Well, in this world of bees. Yeah. <laughs> magical bees. Well, and you notice something that when they organized all of the different babysitting groups, the way that they decided to handle babysitting 14 different kids over the course of a week is they organized them into five different groups. Red Star, Bluebird, Yellow Sun, Green Dinosaur, Pink Hearts. None of those were black. None of those are black, but it does point to this idea that color has all this extra significance. It's sort of, it's protective magic. I think bees see way more colors than we do. Do they? I think so. So maybe there's some significance for colors in the beaverse. Yeah. So yeah. it could be a thing. I like it. Um, I've got a couple of real quick things that I want to talk about before we wrap this up. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. No. Well, this is. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna... waiting for you to ask me one specific question. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'm just waiting for you to ask me. Well, I don't think this is it. But here's the question I want to ask you. What is Christie's mom's job? High-powered executive. Let me lay down what we know. She has an important job. Yep. It's a big company in Stamford. Real city. Real city. Been there. Taking Which implies there. moving between the veils of fantasy and the veils of reality, or moving across the multiverse. Uh-huh. Uh, and she 
has just to, could be like another hive. Her job asks Stanford. her to be. They're planning on having a September wedding, mm-hmm. but her job suddenly asks her to be in Europe in September. Real place. Yeah, where she's going to go to London, Paris, Rome, and then Vienna on the date of the wedding, mm-hmm. and she can't postpone it. Right. Art thief. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you got it in one. She's an art thief. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Because, like, when they said big import, when Christy was like, oh, my mom has a big important job at a company in Stanford, I was like, oh, she's like a tax lawyer or something. Right. Just some, something that a, a kid would think is big and important no. and inscrutable. But what, literally, what job would. Oh, be like, fuck. hey, can you go to Europe? And you're like, it's my wedding that day. Jack, and they're I've like, sorry, you the must lid still go. Wide off of this, yeah. Watson is a goddamn art thief fence. That's why he's a millionaire. Oh, uh, it makes so much That's sense. That's where they fell in love. Yeah. He is making millions off of flipping precious art to private collectors stolen by Elizabeth Thomas and yeah. her cabal of art thieves. Oh, God. This makes so much sense. What is that Pierce Brosnan movie that this book is based on? The Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, there we go. It's such a cool book if you peel back a little bit and look at the are you adult kidding me, man? world. Like, are, it's such a cool book. We're talking about bees. Yeah. Who have tapped into some kind of Green Lantern-like colored magic. Yeah. Who are international art thieves? It's so cool. There's so much. Oh, man. I would Anna almost... Martin just weaves such a complex tapestry. And, like, you wouldn't know it from listening to this, but this book is 140 pages, and the text is pretty big. And she gets it all in there. Can I tell you what I want? Yeah. I want a picture of a bee, and I want our fans, uh-huh. who we are tentatively referring to as either baby boys. <laughs> Or baby girls. Uh-huh. Or I guess if you don't subscribe to any gender. Yeah. Baby people? Baby, baby persons? Uh-huh. Baby bees? Baby bees. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys to design a shirt for us. <laughs> that is Jamie Newton uh-huh. as a bee. Yeah. Photorealistic bee. <laughs> stealing art and saying, hi, hi. <laughs> And we're going to put that on a shirt, and we're going to sell it to you fucking rubes. <laughs> and we're going to make millions. Millions. We're going to make Christie's mom millions. Oh, God. Ask me, man. Ask me. I'll what? ask you. Okay. Jack? What? What was your cheerful moment this week? I. That's a good question. I briefly teared up at the moment when Watson and Elizabeth actually tie the knot. And Christy stops focusing on herself for one fucking second to appreciate the the happiness of two other people in her life who are literally giving her food and shelter and sustaining her. Yep. That got me a little bit. Beyond that... Let me tell you what the tearful moment was. Okay. The last 15 goddamn pages of this book, I was tearing up once a page. Are you real? It started with the beautiful nuptials. Mm-hmm. And it ended with Christy and the girls creating this symbol of unity with this family tree. Oh, that was Christy great. spent the entire book racking her mind over what she should get her mother and Watson as a wedding gift. And she, you know what, frankly, had infinite amounts of dispendable income to spend on whatever she wanted to because of this babysitting gig. But what she decided, she saw during the ceremony, Watson and Christy's mom intertwined their arms and ate cake out of their own hands. And Christy saw it and thought, 
that's it. That's the moment. Yeah. We are one family. Yeah. Which and is very bee-like if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> and she decided that the gift she would give her be the, her brood mother <laughs> and this nameless drone uh-huh. who impregnated her <laughs> is a symbol of the family tree as they are now one family, one being, one, one hive. God, that was good. Ugh. Love syncing up with you. Yeah. Uh, I honestly cried five times. That's I was laying in bed, my little dog right in my armpit, snuggling me, reading this book this afternoon. And just like, I would just like, I would just get it. I would just start crying. It would just come. You, you know what it is? And I hate to go here, but. You and I are both recently wed. Yeah. This beautiful moments of nuptial bliss should be like fresh on your mind. That's not the stuff I caught Sorry. on to. You and I are recently wed to Yeah, to other people. Other yeah, other people. Other humans. Yeah, not to one another. Yeah. Although you did marry me. I did marry you. To my wife. To your wife. Right. The only thing that I could focus on having recently been wed was To the, a to a human woman. To a human woman. Yeah. The only thing I could focus on having been recently wed to a human woman. Yep. Was not a B, not a B. Why would anyone even think that B movie? That yep. was the plot of the B movie. Uh, a human woman falls in love with a male B. Yeah, not my life. <laughs> not relevant to my life. Now you're making it weird. Now it makes it seem like it is relevant to your life. <laughs> you're like you're making such a point. I mean, of the the fact that it's not relevant that it seems like it might be. That's the beauty of audio, right? <laughs> Only you know, out of anyone who might potentially listen to this, whether or not I am a human man. You're definitely a human man. What I'm doubting is whether your wife <laughs> is be your human. I think, I think I've met her. Yeah. But I can't be sure. Yeah. Might be a bee. Well, next time. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, cliffhanger. Um, I just want to say that I was too focused on what a goddamn nightmare it must be to plan a fucking wedding for like 200 people in two and a half weeks. Yeah, you're an idiot though who like planned his own wedding. I paid someone yeah, an exorbitant amount of money to plan my wedding. Oh, what a nightmare. And they're also like, I, you know how many children I had at my wedding? Zero. Zero. You know how many children they had at this fucking wedding? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, I guess it's it's established. Can I, before we quit, Yeah, we're racing, we're, we're sprinting time. Yeah. toward the finish line. Yeah. In fact, we've sprinted past the finish line. Yeah. And we're just, we're just we treading just water. Not sprinting. We're just treading water. Not stop sprinting. In this metaphor. If you came to my house and I excused you and your wife, Sarah, mm-hmm. to my office, mm-hmm. I said, hey, can you guys go sit in the office for a right. second? Jamie and I, my wife, Jamie, mm-hmm. Jamie and I have... Uh, to do some last-minute spaghetti things in the kitchen. Uh-huh. What would you assume was happening? I, first of all, I would be affronted. Mm-hmm. Second of all, what would you what would you think we were doing in our kitchen? Some hey Jack, uh, sorry. Um, can Jamie and I ask you guys to go into the office real quick? Uh, we have some last-minute spaghetti things to do in the kitchen. I would actually think you were having a huge fucking fight. To be oh, honest. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, my mind, yeah, as an optimistic person, yeah, uh, went right to sex, yeah, which I think you you saw coming. 
I I saw that as a as a possibility. I just I hope that you don't think it's appropriate to invite guests over to your house, and then it's the only way I can finish, <laughs> man. It's the only way I can finish. <laughs> also, another branding opportunity: uh, some kind of T-shirt, bumper sticker, mouse pad, yeah. where someone is saying, uh, "We have some last-minute spaghetti things yeah. to finish in the kitchen." And so that happens in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ma- mom and Watson. Yeah. Here's the problem. Here's why I never remember Ma- Christy's mom. Because Christy name. always calls her mom. She always calls super her mom. Annoying. It's super fucking frustrating. Christy, get it right. Her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Watson tell the kids uh, to vacate the premises because mm. they have some, quote, last minute spaghetti things. Oh, yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah. Well, and they're like, <laughs> there's a whole scene where they're looking at each other with goo goo eyes. Spaghetti thing eyes. Yeah. Behind the scenes of this entire series of novels is a nonstop fuck fest. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Well, it's that's, just... that's B culture. Yeah. You know, frankly. But, yeah. Yeah. Why not? They, you gotta it's you gotta of, expand it's a the lot hive. Of worker drones. Yeah. Kind of coming in and and having their way with the. Uh, I well that that's I think it's the other way around. In patriarchal. B, in, I should say culture. the yeah. the hive queen is having their way with the worker drones. Right. Is mindless. Yeah. That honey is not going to make itself. Ooh, that honey is not going to... That's another branding opportunity. Jesus. <laughs> that honey is not going to make itself. All right, well, I think that... So we've given you a lot this week, baby boys and baby girls and baby people. Yeah. BB. Baby bees. BB bees. So a lot of lot of branding opportunities, a lot of revenue streams for us. So take it and run with it. Yep. Make us some sweet, sweet cash. Should we call it a day? Let's call it a day... Next week, we're going to be reading a book that I'm particularly excited about, and I'd love for people to read along with us, so you can see some of the rich tapestry that Anna Martin tends to weave in these incredible novels. Mm-hmm. Next week, the book is called Claudia, Claudia and Mean Janine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanner and I, I suspect, are going to disagree. Tanner is very much a Claudia, uh, illiterate and superficially <laughs> There's fashionable. There's no... There's no support for Christy being illiterate. There's no support for Claudia. Oh, wait. You were saying I'm a Claudia. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Loved. Yeah. Uh, cool dresser. Can't spell. Wow. And lives in the shadow of her intelligent, interesting, fascinating cipher of an older sister. Mean Janine. Mean Janine, as expressed from the point of view, probably, of Claudia. Yeah. God, I would love Literally a Janine point of view. In the books. Next Hit week. me with this fucking outro. Let's see if you can do it right for once. Six episodes in. Are you ready, my man? Mm-hmm. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. Next week, we're going to be reading Claudia and Mean Janine for episode seven of the Babysitter's Club Club. This has been episode, episode six. Six. Oh, 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 oh. Start over. Start over. I didn't follow you. I didn't follow you. That was my fault. <laughs> Jack usually fucks up these outros, but that was me. That was Man, all on me. I was me. going strong. Yeah, no, that was all me. You really fucked it up. Yep. Next week, we're going to be reading Claudia and Mean Janine for episode seven. Yes. This has been episode six. I've been Tanner Greenring. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I've been Jack Shepard. And this has been the Babysitter's Club. Club, thank you for joining us. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you'd think boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. <laughs>
How are my levels? Am I kissing the yellow? You're kissing the yellow. Am I kissing the yellow? Kissing Here's me yellow. talking normal. Yeah. Am I kissing the yellow? That's great. Wait, that's that's your actual normal voice. This is my normal voice. And I, I thought that all these <laughs> years you've just been doing a silly voice. No, that's just me. That's like your actual normal voice. You sound like a pubescent boy. Yeah. <laughs> 32. Wow. This is the voice God You're cursed like, me You're like, one day. 